This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Steeler fans, what is going on? This is Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, here with you for another episode of the BehindTheSteelCurtain.com podcast, The Steelers Burning question yes this is a show that i do by myself in case you're a first-time listener or maybe you're a first-time viewer if you're watching us live on youtube some people might not know we have a youtube channel we have three shows that are simulcast on youtube every single week and all you have to do is go to youtube search in the search engine btsc steelers radio subscribe like tell your friends we appreciate all the support in that venue but if you don't want to watch us on youtube wouldn't blame you if you don't, then absolutely you can still follow us on our audio platforms. Five shows a week, every single platform that you can think of, Spotify, uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, you name it, we're there. Just search Steelers, Behind the Steel Curtain, uh, even specific shows, and absolutely you'll find all of our podcasts. Now, I, I have a confession to make, fans. People that are out there that have seen this show before, that have heard me talk, uh, yes, I do answer a lot of your burning questions at the end of the show, but I always answer one at the very beginning, and that's how I start the show. And I, I like to think that I come off as being pretty smooth on the microphone, not so much my voice, but the fact that I can, I speak well and I don't stutter or I don't stumble over my words. I, I think that I can string together thoughts correctly. The funny thing is I never really have anything planned. I don't write anything down. I just kind of fly off the seat of my pants. This is live. If those that don't know that, that this is a live stream. So if I mess up, you're hearing it, whether it's an audio platform or if you're uh, watching on YouTube, it's it, this is it, you know? And uh, But tonight, for this burning question, I got, a, I got a little spunk. I don't know what it was. I got a little spunk, and hey, I went and I said, I'm going to get prepared. I'm going to be prepared for this one. Because to me, this is a very very difficult burning question so for me i don't i'm prepared you if those on youtube i've got my notebook okay i'm prepared i just don't have the answer to the question yet so i'm going to want you all to listen and i want you all to think about it and then i want you to answer the question but please if you're in the live chat right now try not to answer before you hear me out and really think about it we all have those knee-jerk reactions to questions about the pittsburgh steelers but absolutely try to avoid that okay so here's the question if you looked at the um i guess you would call it the title of this episode for youtube it is the burning question who has more pressure on them in 2019 ben roethlisberger or mike tomlin i'll say that again 
who has more pressure on them in 2019? Mike Tomlin, head coach of the Steelers, or Ben Roethlisberger? So it's, again, I think a lot of people will hear this question, and this happens every single week. I have people say this is, they know the answer right away. Like, they, I got it. And then when I start to explain things and I give my side of things, maybe both explain both sides of the story, then their tune kind of changes. So I'm going to go through these guys, these individuals, right off the top. So we're going to go one at a time. Ben, Tomlin, and we're going to give you five reasons why they're going to have a ton of pressure on them in 2019. And then at the end, we're going to talk about who has the most pressure on them. Let's start with the quarterback. That's my quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger. Okay, so first and foremost, when I'm writing down these five bits of information that I think, okay, what's the most important reason why Ben would have pressure? Because really, if you think about it, the guy's been to two, three Super Bowls. He's won two. He's probably a, a, a he, well, not probably. He's a Hall of Famer. I have to say probably a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, he, there's not so much pressure, but this offseason was different. The first thing I wrote down were the comments that were made not only by teammates that were departing. So we're talking Le'Veon Bell, we're talking Antonio Brown, but also teammates that used to play for him. I'm talking Ryan Clark. I'm talking Emmanuel Sanders, talking even Heinz Ward folks said negative things about his leadership and him as a teammate. That's going to put some pressure on him. He has to realize that there's going to be a magnifying glass around everything that he does on the sidelines, everything you thought that the camera was always on Antonio Brown last season and years prior, you know, that's when they caught him throwing the water jug in Baltimore two years ago. It's going to be the same thing with Roethlisberger. They're going to want to see how's he interacting with teammates? How's he interacting with the coaching staff? Did he get in someone's face? Is he talking to someone? Is he not talking to someone? That's what this season is going to be. And don't think that Roethlisberger, who's a veteran in this league, doesn't know that. And it's going to bring some pressure. Is that pressure going to lead into the play on the field? I doubt it. Not with Ben, but at the same time, it's going to be pressure. So that was number one. The comments that were made by his former teammates and his, I guess you could say, teammates that were leaving, uh, that's going to put some pressure. Okay, number two. I've felt this way for two years. With Todd Haley gone, Ben Roethlisberger got his guy. And a lot of people, myself included, think that his guy is technically him. And that is Randy Feetner is the offensive coordinator. And he's basically calling the shots, in my opinion, with the offense. That's pressure. Because Todd Haley's offense, although a lot of people hated it, and he did some really dumb things from time to time, you can't say it wasn't productive. It was productive. They scored a lot of points. They were very good in certain situations. Um, they... Todd Haley's offense got them to the AFC championship game one year. So now that Roethlisberger basically, and we can all assume maybe that's not a good assumption, but if we, we can all assume that Roethlisberger said it's either him or me. And that was when he was hinting with retirement and his tune certainly has changed since then. So that makes me think that he wanted a Haley gone. So Haley's gone has been last year was the Randy Feetner experience year one year two. There's going to be some pressure because no more is there that feeling out process. All the players that have been there know what Feetner was going to want, essentially what Ben is going to want. And I think that's going to be a ton of pressure on him to make sure that this offense is successful. Is he going to throw the ball 50 times a game? Is he, what's it going to look like? This is pressure. 
What's it going to look like without Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell? Now, Le'Veon Bell is a little different because he wasn't there last year, but without Antonio Brown, that's a big void in that offense now. That's some pressure for him to perform well in the offense that he essentially handpicked. And although I doubt he wanted Antonio Brown gone, I severely doubt that Ben Roethlisberger lost any sleep over Antonio Brown leaving. I just call it a gut. It's a gut reaction. I just think that Roethlisberger had had his, he was at his his wick's end with Antonio Brown. He just was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. I'll never forget the game. Trying to think if you're in the live chat, you remember there was a play where he was, Ben Roethlisberger was rolling out. I want to say he might have ran the ball in for a touchdown. And he stood up, and Antonio Brown must have said something. And Ben looked over at him and said, to stop being an effing baby. You could read his word. You could read his lips. My, my dad sent me a text, and we said the same exact thing. Did you just see what Ben just said? And that was, you stop being an effing baby. I think Roethlisberger had had it up to here with his antics, and I think he was good to see him go. But still, the pressure is going to be there for this offense to perform well because it's essentially Roethlisberger's offense. And now we move on. Let's not forget that with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and this is something my co-host on the standard is the standard Lance Williams talks about all the time. And that is how in Pittsburgh, you're not measured by wins and losses in a regular season. You're measured by championships. And let's be honest, the Steelers haven't been there in a long time, let alone won one. It's been since 2010, since the Steelers had even been to the Super Bowl. They lost to Green Bay that year. And they haven't, it was the AFC championship run that they lost to New England. But other than that, they haven't even sniffed the play. They, they, they didn't make the playoffs last year. They haven't really sniffed the championship. They haven't been to the dance in a long time. And you have to think that maybe Roethlisberger is wondering, here I am in the waning years of my career. Do we still have it? Do I still have it? Is this team going to be capable? That's pressure. It's pressure on him as a captain. It's pressure on him as a leader and pressure on him as a quarterback. So that's going to be another area to keep it on as well. Next, I think that Ben Roethlisberger, and this could have been number one, to be totally honest with you. This could have been number one. Ben Roethlisberger is going to have a chip on his shoulder this year, and it's going to be because Antonio Brown, the way he left, I think Ben Roethlisberger wants to prove to everyone that, look, I'm the guy that makes these receivers. And so AB can leave. I'll make James Washington, Juju, Ryan Switzer, Dante Moncrief. I'll make them all look good. I'll make them all look better than you ever thought they were. I guarantee you that's his mindset. And although that's awesome and that's exactly the mindset I want out of my team's quarterback, my favorite team's quarterback, at the same time, I also see that as being pressure. And that's what this whole segment's about is pressure. Who's feeling the most pressure? Does that make Ben Roethlisberger work a little bit harder? That can't be a bad thing. Does it make Ben Roethlisberger force things a little too much? That could be a bad thing. So I think he wants to prove that AB didn't make Ben Roethlisberger because Ben Roethlisberger was Big Ben. I use air quotes there for those listening in audio form. That he was Big Ben before Antonio Brown even came to the Steelers. And I think he wants to remind everybody, look, I'm not who I am because of this one guy. I'm who I am because that's who I am. And I made him who he is. I turned Antonio Brown to AB. That's not necessarily a good thing, as we've come to find out. But still, that's going to be pressure. I think that's going to be pressure. And then lastly, I think that the pressure is also going to be on Roethlisberger to play a cleaner 
brand of football in 2019. He threw for over 5,000 yards last year, and that's fantastic. But they missed the playoffs, and he also led the NFL in interceptions. Now, I know that Dave Schofield, my, one of my co-hosts on the Steelers preview, which airs tomorrow night, Thursday night, around 9 o'clock. Make sure you check us out live here, here live on YouTube. He's going to say, well, yeah, but Jeff, that was the lowest total interception mark in, in the NFL in like the last two decades. Well, I don't care. He still led the league in interceptions. So I think that there's going to be some pressure for him to not turn the ball over as much. I remember it was two years ago, he went into training camp saying he didn't want to throw any interceptions at all the entire camp. And I want to say he came really close to doing that. And he protecting the football was paramount. But then last year in training camp, he came in with a little different mindset, and that was more of a, I need to just let it loose sometimes. Well, we saw where that got him. So the pressure might be this year. He's got to play a little bit cleaner. He's got to keep that football out of the defense's hands, and that's going to be some pressure. So those five things, I'll, I'll run them down in case you're just joining us live on YouTube. Number one were the comments made by his teammates, Okay, the, the players that used to play with him and that are leaving town how they basically just ripped him. That's going to be pressure. No more Todd Haley to, to you know bank on. Randy Feetner experience is going into year two, so it's his offense. That's pressure. Hasn't been to the Super Bowl in over almost 10 years. That's pressure. He's got to prove that it's Ben that made Antonio Brown, not the other way around. That's pressure. And lastly, can't throw so many interceptions. That's going to be pressure. Okay, now let's go to the other side of the docket, the other side of the coin, however you want to put it. That would be Mike Tomlin, head coach. Different kind of pressure, much different type of pressure. I don't think that, you know, we'll, we'll answer the question, which is who's going to have who's going to have more pressure in 2019? Let's go over what Mike Tomlin is. Okay, so first and foremost, top of the list for me, you missed the playoffs last year. You were 7 two and one at one point and did not make the playoffs finishing a disappointing nine, six and one that leaves a bad taste in everyone's mouth. I'm sorry. I people that are Mike Tomlin fans and I'm one of them love to tout about all those things like, you know, Hey, he's never had a losing season and that's true. And that's awesome. But at the same time, if you're eight and eight or nine and seven, and you don't make the playoffs, who cares if who, who cares if you don't have a losing season? Yeah, that's just a nice little feather in your cap. You want to make the postseason. You want to get to the dance. You want to punch your ticket, at least, to giving you a shot. And they didn't do that last year, so that's going to be some pressure. Next is the, yeah, this could be number one. It really could. The perceived, the perception, I should say, that he has an inability to control his players. I... As someone that used to be a coach, now if you listen to the standard of the standard, I've coached in high school. That's the extent of my coaching. I was a head varsity coach, not football. Doesn't matter. If you're coaching a group of individuals and it's a team sport, you have some of these issues. When someone, whether it's the media, whether it's the team, whether it's the ownership, perceive that you can control your team, that's a problem. That's a big problem. So now... You have a situation where Mike Tomlin, every single issue that might happen, let's say a player misses a walkthrough. Let's say a player is perpetually late. 
let's say someone does something on the field that warrants a flag, let's say an excessive celebration. Uh, let's say that somebody says something in the media that is not very attuned to the, what the Steelers want to hear from their players. Whatever the case is, you have that happen, people are going to want to know what's he going to do. Because everyone thinks, and this is the perception that I'm talking about, everyone thinks that Mike Tomlin just let Le'Veon Bell and especially Antonio Brown just run rampant. They just run rampant. Kind of like that toddler that just gets whatever they want. They just yell and scream, okay, just give him what he wants so that he shuts up. That's kind of what I felt like. And so now Mike Tomlin's got to have this perception hovering over his head like a cloud saying, can I control my players? He's going to have to prove it. That's going to be some pressure. You know, situations are going to happen. Someone's going to say something. Someone's going to do something. It happens all the time. I hope it doesn't happen that often this year for the Steelers, but if it does, what's he going to do? That's some pressure. I have to say that speaking of perception, Mike Tomlin's perception in terms of the national media, probably even the local media, probably even the fan base, and even maybe, I don't know this for a fact, I'm just guessing, but maybe even with other players that could be potential like free agents, I think Mike Tomlin's perception is at an all-time low. People used to tout him as the next great coach. They wanted to, the free agents wanted to play for him. Players wanted to be drafted by him. Players wanted nothing but to play for Mike Tomlin. Coach T, they heard all the stories. He's a winner. He's going to give you a good chance to succeed, to get to the Super Bowl. I'm not sure if people think that anymore. And so Mike Tomlin might say, I don't care what other people think that are outside these walls. I don't care what the media says. I don't pay attention to that. That's all white noise. But you have to understand that he he feels it. He has to feel it. If there was a free agent, and there was, um, I think it was Roby, the cornerback. They offered him a three-year contract. He said, no, I'll take a one-year deal for Houston to play the cornerback for them instead of a three-year deal in Pittsburgh. You have to wonder if someone said, I don't want anything. I don't want any part of that circus in Pittsburgh. And if they did, that's, pre <laughs> that's pressure. Perception can be reality, folks. And in this case, maybe it is. And if it is, that's a problem. Okay, so now let's go to the next one for Mike Tom. This is number four. I have a feeling the ownership might be reaching the end of their rope with certain things. It's tough to go into an office of a coach who's never had a losing season. And I know, <laughs> I know I just said a few minutes ago how the fan base of Mike Tomlin loves to tout that, but bear with me. So, it, you know, it's tough for an owner to go into Mike Tomlin's office and, and complain about the product. But when this organization has been drugged through the mud the way that it has and that they're not making the playoffs and they're losing first round playoff games like they did in the, against the Jaguars after a bye in the divisional round in 2017. When that all that stuff is happening, it's just building. It's building the drama, team turmoil, as everyone calls it. All this stuff building, building, building. You have to wonder when ownership, Art Rooney II, is going to say, I've had enough. I've had enough. It's not going as planned. See ya. I'm not saying that's happened. I'm not saying they're thinking about it. But you have to think that if you're using the the terminology of the hot seat, that Mike Tomlin's hot seat might be warming up a little bit. This year in particular, you, you get rid of the, the clowns of the circus. Okay, they're gone. What, do you, what does this team do now? 
a lot of people were down on the Steelers. Uh, the over-under in Vegas is nine wins. They used to be a joke. You know, they, they used to be a, a punchline, of just nine wins. Are you serious? Come on. Not anymore. Some people are saying take the under hard on the Steelers because there's no way they're going to get done. Well, that's up to Coach Tomlin. This is his team now again. The superstar divas are gone. Unless you count Ben Roethlisberger as one of those, in which case they're not gone. You have all this stuff where I just don't understand that the ownership is probably just getting a little fed up. So he's got he's to rectify so much stuff. No more drama. No more stupid comments in the media. No more sideline antics. All this stuff, that is pressure, period. Let's go to the last one. Simple, really simple, actually. And that is, it's easier to fire a coach than it is to cut a player. Period. Period. They can cut ties with Mike Tomlin right now and not owe him another dime and say, see you, thanks for, thanks for the last decade. Uh, whereas a player, you have dead money. You have more of a performing a performance on the field. That's pressure. You, I think that Mike Tomlin has to think to himself, shoot, man, they can fire me in a heartbeat. And they won't even have to think twice about it because it's a different it's a different ball of wax than cutting a player or releasing a player or trading a player. So I think that, you know, we'll go through the let's like I said, there's some people still joining us live on YouTube. So I'll go through those five again, like I did with Roethlisberger. The five biggest pressure points for Mike Tomlin, in my opinion, number one, the fact that he missed the playoffs last year. They were seven, two and one and you missed the playoffs. What? Come on. Come on. That's I don't care about that end of the season schedule. That's a bunch of bogus. That's bogus BS. Second one, the perceived inability for him to not be able to control his players. Everything is going to be magnified this year for Tomlin in terms of how he controls his team. Next, the perce his perception amongst the NFL landscape, whether that's media players, coaches, GMs, whatever, is probably at an all-time low, period. Next, ownership. We're talking to Art Rooney II, maybe even those minority owners of the team. They're probably reaching the end of their rope with him. The seat's probably warming up. And lastly, it's a heck of a lot easier to fire a coach than it is to fire a player. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And so with that said, now we get into the, all of all of this stuff. We take all, we digest it. What's the answer to the question? If you're in the live chat, let me know. Is who's who has more pressure on him? Is it Ben Roethlisberger? The pressure to perform? Or is it Mike Tomlin, the pressure to not only just keep your job, but to get your team right? Because your team isn't right, hasn't been right, hasn't been right for the last three seasons. Who has more pressure for me? The answer is Mike Tomlin. I think it's Mike Tomlin, bar none. Because at number one, something my brother used to always say. We'd watch the Steelers. I remember watching the Steelers with him back in the Tommy Gunn days. And there was, those were some trying times for those that remember the Tommy Maddox era. And uh, I say, man, these guys suck. And I say, they just, you know, just clean house. And I would say, get rid of them. He said, hey, 
you know who's the first to go? And I said, who's that? He said, the coach. I said, why? He said, because you can't fire all the players. And that's the truth. You can't fire all the players. So sometimes the coach is a scapegoat. I wouldn't be surprised if Mike Tomlin, if they have a bad season this year, if things fall apart, if the wheels fall off, it could be the scapegoat. That's pressure. That's pressure. There's a lot of pressure on Coach Tomlin. And I not that there's not a lot of pressure on Ben Roethlisberger. Absolutely there is. But I think by far the pressure is on Mike Tomlin to get the job done. It's going to be really interesting uh, to watch. Now, um, if you have any questions, this is the point of the show where if you have a burning question of your own and you're in the live chat, fire away. Now, sometimes, you know, we have uh, around 60 or so people currently. The, that number's going up as more people tune in. Uh, sometimes a lot of stuff is happening in that live chat and you might want your question answered. And so instead of saying it over and over again, we do have the super chat feature which is you can use any amount of money. I think it could even be something like 50 cents. And you put in that feature and it'll keep your question highlighted. I will see it. I guarantee I'll answer it. It's a way to get your question answered if you have a burning question of your own. So let's get right to things. Some questions are starting to file in. Vodka Drinker, who's a regular on our show, said the Bubby Brister era was more painful. Yeah, it was. Good old Bubby. Bubby, the guy that said uh, when he came back to Pittsburgh and he was interviewed, and he said, it's it's tough. It's tough playing at Three River Stadium right off that lake. Yikes. Three River Stadium, and they're next to a lake. Good old Bubby Brister. But you know what? Bubby Brister wasn't the only quarterback era that was tough to watch. The Cordell Stewart era was tough. Talk about a ton of success just to collapse when it mattered most. The Mike Tomzak era was tough. Uh, the Everett era was tough. Uh, Tommy Maddox era was tough. Shoot. Thank, thank God for 2004, the 11th overall pick in Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> We've been spoiled, folks. We really have been and spoiled with Ben Roethlisberger. I hope you all realize that. Okay, so we have some questions coming in here. Um, Snowman asks, uh, will Ryan Chazier ever play again? I, I, I honestly get asked this question a lot in person when people see that I'm a Steeler fan or if they know that I work for that, I'm the editor of the website and they read the website. And honestly, I, I can't answer this question. Um, I don't even want to guess because first and foremost, my, I just hope he gets healthy. I hope he's able to walk without a, a limp in his gait. I hope he's able to run sprint. Uh, and then if, if he gets to that point where he can live a normal life and he wants to play football, who am I, Jeff Hartman, editor of said website, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, who am I to tell him what he should and shouldn't do? Now, do I think he'll play again? No. I just think physically he's not going to have the tools to be able to play again. But if the thought of playing again motivates him and gets him to attack his rehab with a fervor that he wouldn't have had if he knew that he would never be able to play again, then let him... then by all means, don't squash that hope, you know? So everyone wants a definitive answer. I don't have one, but for me, uh, my gut tells me he's not going to play again, but if he can and he does, I pray he's okay. But at the same time, if he's with the Steelers, I'm going to root, I'm going to root like crazy for him, you know? So there you have that. I mean, Ryan Chazier is a unique, very unique case. All right. So next question, Carlton asks, uh, who will step up and be the, the number two receiver? That's a good question. Um, the, the options are Dante Moncrief, 
James Washington, and possibly a potential draft pick. I don't think there's going to be one clear-cut number two. I think that the, if, if everything goes as planned, James Washington shows a lot of progress. Dante Moncrief is lives up to the billing, and you have some slot receivers in Switzer and Rodgers. You throw in a draft pick that can equal in there. Juju Smith-Schuster, who can be moved around, is very versatile. I think that Roethlisberger spreads the ball around a lot. Uh, but if I were to guess, I'm... I want so bad to say James Washington, but I'm going to say Dante Moncrief. Uh, I think James Washington is a little bit more rough around the edges, but I think that ultimately he's going to be okay. He's going to be better, but I don't think he's going to be maybe this season. Okay. Um, let's hear just here. Daryl asks, do you think the failure last year falls on ownership for their B team 2018 free agent signings? Um, I guess in, in in that regard, you're talking about they didn't really go out. You have to remember, Daryl, they didn't have a lot of space because they franchise tagged Le'Veon Bell. So that allocated $14.5 million towards him. And so they, they didn't have the money to go out and do much. They had to get bargain bin players. And people don't want to hear that, but, I mean, they got Morgan Burnett. They got John Bosick. Those were the two big names. Um, and so – you can't really hate the team that they were hoping that Le'Veon Bell would show up and he didn't, but you know what, because he didn't, they were able to actually go out and spend this time around. And that's how they were able to get Moncrief, Nelson, Barron players like that sign a lot of their own players to new contracts. So I just, I understand your frustration, but at the same time, I also look at it and say that they didn't have any money to spend. So let's not go too far overboard with that. Uh, Jerry, Cherry Band asks, why does Shannon Sharp hate Ben so much? There's a lot of people that don't like Ben Roethlisberger. There's a lot of people that think that Ben Roethlisberger is pompous, that Ben Roethlisberger is arrogant, that Ben Roethlisberger literally is thinks he's kind of above the law. And a lot of this stems from his behavior off the field. Um, I think it was Roethlisberger who was, he was voted one of, I can't remember what website, it might have been CBS Sports, it might have been someone like The Athletic that said that Ben Roethlisberger was considered one of the worst teammates in the NFL. When you have that perception, it can kind of bleed into different areas. So Shannon Sharp's not alone as one of the guys that doesn't like Ben Roethlisberger. Okay. Uh, Andre says, hot, hot seat meter, Tomlin, Danny Smith, or Butler. I would say that if I'm doing the Hot seat meter, I'd say Danny Smith is, well, no, check that. Butler's is the hottest. Danny Smith would be two, and Tomlin would be three, if I'm ranking those coaches there. Um, here we go. Nate's a good question. How do you see the run-pass ratio next season? In my, if, if Lance is listening, he will tell you what I would say, and that's I, I hope it's balanced. I hope it's not 70% pass, 30% run. I would be happy, and Lance and I have said this before on our show, the standard is a standard, which airs on th on Sundays, live on YouTube. Uh, make sure you check us out. Uh, we've said this all the time. We'd be happy with 60-40. We realize that in today's National Football League, you're going to tend to throw the ball more than you run it, especially the Steelers. So 60-40, I'd be happy with that. That's an even. That's about as close to balance as you might get. And so that's what I hope. I'm not sure that's the way it's going to happen, though. Uh, let's see here. Someone asked a cheerleading question about Mike Tomlin. Come on, people. 
Uh, let's mature up a little bit. Crazy Chris asks, uh, with three or four decent receivers, will the Steelers draft two defensive players back-to-back for the first two picks in the draft, or would they go one defense, one offense? Well, Chris, the thing is, I don't... There's no way of answering that question unless you know how the chips are falling. So if both of the inside linebackers are gone and there's a, a wide receiver that they feel can be a day one starter, I would not be shocked to see them draft a receiver in round one. It just all depends. They, they have their needs. I don't think there's – you have to look at the board. So I don't think there's a cornerback in this draft that is worthy of a number one pick. Um, there are inside linebackers, but who knows if they'll get there to 20 unless they trade up. Um, there's just so many different factors, so many different variables. It's really tough. So, oh, Ariel says, don't forget Mark Malone. I try to forget Mark Malone. Thank you very much. That's like saying, don't forget about Neil O'Donnell. Can't stand that guy. Can't believe I just said his name. <laughs> All right. Uh, Joseph says, everybody's trash talking Ben. He'll be missing a lot in a few years when he retires. Hopefully we don't revert to Bobby's days. <laughs> Kent Graham. Good Lord. You guys are bringing up some bad memories. I'll tell you that. That Jerry Cherry Vance is bringing on Mason Rudolph. Hey, if you listen to me talk at any of my shows, I am a big Mason Rudolph fan, and I am really looking forward to seeing what he's going to be able to do in year two. I'll be really disappointed if he doesn't beat out Joshua Dobbs for that second quarterback spot, because if he doesn't do that, then it's, it's done. My dream is done. <laughs> My dream of Mason Rudolph being the next guy after Ben Roethlisberger. If you can't beat Joshua Dobbs for the backup quarterback spot in year two after you've gotten a year under your belt, then the project is done. People might disagree with me, but it's done. I hope it doesn't happen because I'm rooting hard for him. I think he's a good kid. I think he has really mature beyond his years. He, I've said this when he was drafted. He reminds me a lot of... The way he handles media, at least, he reminds me a lot of Sidney Crosby. And if you've watched the Penguins and you see how he handles the media, he's always available, super mature, super polite. Never, He's what you want in a quarterback. He's not going to say anything controversial. So you guys got me started on Mason Rudolph. You need to stop doing that because I'll go on tangents. Dave Schofield, co-host of the Steelers Preview, says if Cower was so much better than Tomlin and they were all his players – why didn't he win with them? That's a great question, Dave, because if you forget 2003, 6-10 and season, which landed them the 11th overall pick, which equated into Ben Roethlisberger, everyone always remembers what they want to remember, okay? And I don't think people remember or want to remember how many times people wanted Cower fired. Fire Cower. If there was, if there was Twitter back then, my goodness, that would be a hashtag that would have trended. How many times did he get to the AFC Championship game and lose at home? <laughs> I mean, I, I could think of the game against the Broncos. I could think about the Patriots a couple times. It's one of those things where you have to seriously say, we remember Cower for winning in 2005, but do we remember Cower for, for losing in, in 95? Do we remember him for all those failed seasons? Look. I love Bill Cowher. He was the coach of the Steelers when I really became a fan. And so I think everyone always kind of clings to that coach. For crying out loud, Chuck Knoll. I mean, he won four in the 70s, but he didn't win after that. And he coached for a long time after that. So let's keep everything in perspective here, people. That's a really good point by Dave. Uh, Cecil asked, has Big Ben canceled his radio show? That was a report. Haven't heard anything definite on that. 
I'm surprised we haven't heard anything definite on that because I feel there's no doubt. I mean, we ran that story. Every other website like Behind the Steel Curtain ran that story. Pro Football Talk ran that story. And so 93.7 The Fan had to know this and had to you had every opportunity to jump out and say, this isn't true. We're still doing the show. And they didn't. So that tells me there's some some iffy stuff, iffy stuff going on there. So let's hear. Um, Donald's talking about Mason Rudolph. Here we go again. Probably won't see action. Now, I'm not saying he's going to see action. I hope he be is the backup quarterback. And if he can prove that he's worthy of, of playing time when it comes to, let's say Ben gets hurt, he steps in, he plays well, gives you a glimmer of what could come. I still think even if they keep, if he doesn't start until year four of his career, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, Matt Thomas is, why do you think the team is meeting with so many running backs before the draft? They're going to draft a running back. I, I feel very confident in that. I don't think it's going to be a top draft need, but I think they're going to draft a running back because they want to have someone that can complement James Conner and Jalen Samuels, and also to take the burden off of James Conner so he doesn't have to carry the ball so much. I think that's really smart. They passed on a lot of veterans that were on free agent market, and I think largely probably because they still want to get that compensatory draft pick for Le'Veon Bell. So by doing so, they're avoiding that. They'll draft a mid-round running back. Hopefully he pans out, and he can be the third and final piece to their stable of running backs. There you go. Uh, let's see here. Is it possible that James Conner could lead the a AFC in rushing if he stays healthy? Absolutely. With That's from Steven. If, with, with this offensive line, no doubt about it. The, the offensive line comes back intact, and they've got good depth. Uh, right tackle is a question mark, but that's about it. And if Matt Filer's your starter, we saw what he could do last year. I would expect he could do it again. I think he absolutely could if they stay healthy, if he stays healthy. Um, Cecil Clark says, do you think they'll fire Mike Tomlin if he starts 0-6 in 2019? No, they're not They're not the a team that's going to fire a coach midway through the year. It's just not going to happen. Um, let's see here. Stephen, <laughs> Stephen says, I hope he hopes I get to buy my Mason Rudolph jersey. Yeah, I hope so too. One day, maybe right now I only, I only do Ben Roethlisberger jerseys right now. And so when Ben retires, uh, if, if, if Mason Rudolph's the guy, I'll be wearing number two. Trust me. Sarah Joseph says, Jeff, I agree. Big college fan of Mason was a tough quarterback. I think he'll be in good shape when Ben retires. Yeah, it's going to take him time. I, I, like, I, I love to hear that when people criticize Rudolph and they say, well, you know, he never took a, a snap under center. Okay. How many times did Roethlisberger take a snap under center last year? Not often. Um, I want to say I saw a stat where it was about 70% of the of the plays were run, even run plays were run in the shotgun formation. It's the way this offense is trending. So I think Mason Rudolph will fit in just fine. Uh, let's see here. That's a good point. Someone's a vodka drinker said about Shannon Sharp. He played for the Ravens. I mean, so he naturally has a, a, a disdain for the Steelers. I wouldn't be shocked if that comes, you know, comes into play. Billy says uh, he's bringing up some bad memories now. I remember 1995 Neal's interceptions, 1994 Stan Humphrey's lucky pass, 98 should have been Broncos, 2001 the block field goal and pitch back. I've never seen so much bad luck in losing championship games. Tell me about it, man. 94, I can still tell you the pass play that Neil O'Donnell, that they tried to throw it to Barry Foster in the end zone in the rain against the Chargers. 
And I remember the Chargers got waxed by the 49ers that year in the Super Bowl. 95, obviously, the picks. But it was, I remember all those games, man. Awful, awful, awful memories. Thanks for bringing that up. No, not, not appreciative of that at all. Let's have a couple more here before we call it a show. Um, let's see here. Let's see. Well, Ken Edmonds said, uh, we have a, here, a couple questions here, good ones. Can Terrell Edmonds step up is a question. That's a good question. I don't know. It's so tough for me to get a bead on Terrell Edmonds. I, I wasn't overly impressed with him last year. Not that he didn't make plays, not that he's not capable, but man, I, I just wanted to see so much more from him. So again, he's a player that you hope to see that year one to year two jump. Uh, we've seen it in certain players like James Conner already. I would hope that he would be in better shape. He would have a better grasp of what the, the coaching staff is expecting of him and his position. I would hope to see a big jump from year one to year two. Even Troy Polamalu, rookie year didn't do much. Year two is when he you started to see, wow, this is this is a guy. This is a player. So, um, someone asked, will they replace Sean Davis in the draft? He's the weak link. I I don't see it that way. Um, I don't think that. Uh, I don't think he's the weak. I thought he played well. This is his first year of free safety, and I don't think you can expect much more from what he did. Uh, I just don't see him as a weak link personally. Uh, Vodka Drinker says, who do I see stepping up for depth on pass rush? Yikes. Um, Ola Denier, Anthony Chicolo are still there. Maybe Keon Adams. They carried three outside linebackers last year. Think about that. So with that said, you can expect Watt and Dupree to make it. You can expect Chicolo to make it because they, they brought him back on a two-year deal. And do they even keep four? If you do keep four, I think you'd be, keep Ola Adigne, but at the same time, they don't have to. They didn't last year, so I don't know. Uh, so there you have it, folks. A lot of stuff going on. I I thought this was a good show. I thought you guys were very, really in tune with the question. I thought you guys did a good job um, helping me answer it because there were some times where I looked down at the live chat and there were some really good points made on both Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin. Who has the most pressure this year? That's what we talked about. I said Mike Tomlin. Well, what do you think? If you're watching this live on YouTube, now's when you go down to the comment section and leave a comment. Let us know what you think. If you're watching this or listening to this on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, head down to the comment section. Get the discussion going there. It's a great place for Steeler fans that just love to talk nothing but black and gold. Remember, as Lance Williams says, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. Thanks for listening to the Steelers Burning Question. We'll see you next week on another episode.